0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah 31 in your Bibles, and we're going to finish up this chapter. Lord willing, I've not had any chapters in Jeremiah that have taken me this long but it is it's a long chapter you know 40 verses that's a lot of verses but let's pick up if you'll notice with me verse number 21 and we'll continue from last week it says set thee up waymarks and make thee high heaps and set thine heart toward the highway even the way which thou wentest turn again o virgin of israel turn again to these thy cities lord would you please speak to our hearts give us what we need from the word of god this evening i thank you for the singing i thank you for the time of prayer i thank you for the specials i thank you for our children's ministries and nursery uh workers tonight and uh, the teen ministry i thank you for those in the sound room and those in the radio room i thank you for everyone who's had a part tonight in this service i thank you for those who have faithfully come uh, week after week i thank you for those who are watching lord it, it bless my heart Uh, during the singing, just to see some of the folks who were commenting, saying we're here and we're watching and we're enjoying the music, we're enjoying the service. And Lord, what a blessing. And I thank you for God's people being so encouraging, even through some unusual days. And Lord, I pray you'd bless our church and strengthen our church. May we keep our eyes on you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We closed last week and we talked about getting back to God. Remember, we talked about the uh, writer of that song, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. And we said how that he wrote that song as a young man, and then he got away from the Lord. He was a preacher. He got away from the Lord. He backslid. He was living for the world. And uh, one day on a stagecoach, he was riding, and there was a young lady that was singing that song, and she held the hymn book over to the man that wrote it and said, uh, Have you ever heard this song? And he said, ma'am, he said, I'm the, I'm the troubled soul that wrote that song so many years ago. He said, if I had a 1,000 worlds to give, I'd give them all just to have the feeling that I had back then when I wrote that song. You know why? Because when he wrote the song, he was right with God. When he wrote the song, he was praising God and living for God, but he got away. And he, he said in the song, he says, I know I'm prone to wander. And you know, we're all prone to wander. You know why? Because we have an old flesh. And that old flesh gets discouraged, and that old flesh gets distracted, and that old flesh gets disillusioned sometimes, and things don't work out like what we think they should. But I want to tell you, that's why we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Verse 21, uh, Jeremiah wrote and said, You need to set up some waymarks. Waymarks were signposts, and he said, Set up some high heaps. Those were literally pillars that they would set up to mark the roads. But then I want you to notice verse 21. He said, set thine heart toward the highway. My wife and I have told you this many times, but we traveled a lot when we were in California. We traveled all summer long. Uh, We started out 13 week tours and then towards the end, we went down to about 10 weeks. We would leave in May and not get back to July till July or August. We'd be gone all summer. We loved it. It was just the two of us. And you know, traveling without children is actually enjoyable and it's pretty easy. And then traveling with children, it's uh, it makes you want to rethink you know, your Bible doctrine, and you wonder if purgatory might exist somewhere in there. No, no, purgatory doesn't exist. I'm teasing. But, but uh, we used to travel, and it was wonderful. I must say, there weren't too many highways that I really loved. Uh, there's some beautiful parts of the country. Uh, you go up and down the coastline on uh, uh, Highway 1 in California. It's beautiful. You get up even in Oregon and Washington and it's not sandy beaches it's it's rocky cliffs with huge waves coming in and and it's so cold up there that water's so cold that the only people in the water have wetsuits i promise it is freezing cold and uh, you get to see that and you drive across and you see the mountains and you drive through the the northern route and you see the badlands in south dakota it's just beautiful uh, the black hills and all that and then of course you get down in the south and just see the beauty and you see the uh the ocean and you see the smoky mountains there's just so much that's beautiful but i wouldn't say that i really loved too many highways except for one and that was the highway When you're headed home and you've been gone and you see start to realize I'm getting close I remember so many times on weekends. We would travel on Sunday morning We'd go to visit a church and I'd preach and the group would sing and then we'd go to another church Sunday night Usually a couple hours away and we'd get back really late on Sunday nights and Monday morning We hit it hard at the college and I'd be teaching and Joanna worked in the office So it wasn't like we were getting home to relax. We were getting home to get after it But I remember so many Sunday nights, we'd come back, and where we lived there in Santa Clara, California, it was down in the bay, and there were hills uh, that separated uh, the rest of California from the ocean and from the bay area, and you'd come over those hills. And as you'd come over those hills, Brother Jones, you know, you'd see the lights of the city, and you would know, we're almost home. And can I tell you, that was a highway that I love. That was a road I love, the road where you were getting home. And I hope you always, hope you always, as verse 21 says, I hope you always set your heart. Hope you always set your affection and set your love on the road that leads you back to God. I hope you always set your heart on the road where you're walking with God and where you're fellowshipping with God. I hope if you ever get away or if I ever get away from the Lord, I hope we'll have some way marks some landmarks and some, some signposts set up so that we can get back to God as soon as possible. Sometimes you get a long way away and sometimes it takes a while to get back. It doesn't take long to get back to God, but it takes a long time because you got a lot of guilt and you got a lot of, a lot of uh, whispers on your shoulder from the old devil that says, oh, you've been out of church so long. Oh, you haven't served God. You haven't read your Bible and you haven't prayed and you've been a bad testimony at work. You might as well not even try. Well, I got news for that old devil. None of us are worthy. It's all because of the grace of God. And if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Get back to God. Set your heart toward God the highway. Notice if you would verse 22 we read this last week. How long wilt thou go about, O thou backsliding daughter? Hey, let's not let's not stay away from God. Let's return. Let's get on the path back to God. Verse 23, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as yet they shall use this speech in the land of Judah in the cities thereof when I shall bring again their captivity. God says I'm going to bring them back. Um, They're going into captivity, but I'll bring them home. I will bless them again. And he said, they're going to use this speech. Notice verse 23, the Lord bless thee. Boy, that's a good thing to say. That's a wonderful thing to hear. You know, we heard in 2020, we heard some expressions that we hadn't heard much before. We heard in 2020, uh, we heard lockdown. In 2020, we heard quarantine, right? In 2020, uh, we heard, I already told you this one, flatten the curve. Remember that was the one, just, just two more weeks, just three more weeks, just five more weeks, and we're still hearing that. We heard Zoom. How many of you, how many of you even heard of Zoom before this last year? Not well, a few of you. How many of you still don't know what Zoom is? How many of you, that's what your spouse does when you're driving down the road, right? They Zoom to get where they're going. We heard social distancing. We heard that a lot this last year. We heard this, working from home. Isn't that amazing? Some people get a lot of work done at home and others don't get a lot of work done at home. Uh, Pandemic. We heard that a lot this last year. But can I tell you, here's something that's good when you can hear this. Here's the speech that God says that they shall use this speech in the land of Judah. The Lord bless thee. Isn't it good when God's blessing? Isn't it good when you see the hand of God at work? Isn't it great when God's blessing your family and God's blessing uh, your your, your relationships and God's blessing your life? I tell you, I want God's blessing. I need God's blessing. I'd like to hear the Lord bless thee instead of blessing. backsliding, instead of rebelling against God, instead of getting uh, mixed up with sin and uh, getting uh, getting mixed up with the world. They shall hear this speech, the Lord bless thee, verse 23, and uh, O habitation of justice and mountain of holiness. We see the words justice and holiness that describe God and should also describe God's people. We ought to be people uh, of justice. We ought to be people of holiness. Verse 24, And there uh, shall dwell in Judah itself, in all the cities thereof together, husbandmen and they that go forth with flocks. They would dwell in Judah. For God's people, that was very significant because Judah was the land that God had given them. That was where Jerusalem was located. That was where the temple was located. And can I tell you, the best place in the world to dwell, the best place in all the world to live is in the center of God's will. I'm thankful for me and for you, I'm thankful the center of God's will is Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. I'm thankful for that. But can I tell you, God's will is where you want to be. God's plan, God's place is where you want to be. And they would dwell in the land of Judah where God had planned for them to be. Verse 25, it says, for I have, I always say satiated, but it's satiated the weary. How many of you knew that's how you're supposed to pronounce that? Ms. Askew knew, I'm glad I didn't say it wrong. Ms. Joanne knew. See, we've got a few Uh, grammar uh, folks in here. We've got some folks that are intelligent and the rest of us are, we're working on it, right? We're not done yet. We're not done learning. We we ain't finished yet. (laughs) Some of you are like, hey, that's my language. For I have satiated. You know what that word means? Say, Pastor, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I certainly don't, don't know what it means. It means satisfied. God says, I have satisfied the weary soul. And I have replenished, God says. God says that I have filled up. I have given what you need to the one who is sorrowful. Maybe you're here tonight or maybe you're listening uh, on, uh, on the radio or you're watching online and maybe you say, Pastor, I need some satisfaction. I'm weary. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I, I feel like I'm running on empty. I'm glad that God can satisfy your soul. I'm glad that God can replenish you maybe you're here tonight and you're weary meaning faint or thirsty or you're exhausted i want to tell you there is hope with god there is a refilling and recharging with god the songwriter said oh soul are you weary and troubled no light in the darkness you see there's room for a look at the savior and life more abundant and free what do you do turn your eyes upon jesus look full in his wonderful face the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Verse 26, Jeremiah says, upon this I waked and beheld, and my sleep was sweet unto me. Now this is unusual because Jeremiah did not get a lot of the word from the Lord uh, in a dream. But in this case, Jeremiah was apparently sleeping. And he says, I woke up. And you know what's great when you wake up? And the thing you were dreaming about, it's true. Or or here's what's good. You wake up and you were dreaming about something good and you wake up and it's better than you dreamed. Can I tell you for the Christian, when you wake up, uh, it's better than you could have ever imagined because God has promised it. And when God makes a promise, he keeps it every time. This was not wishful thinking for Jeremiah this was a message and a promise from God that he would satisfy, he would replenish, and he would return them from captivity. Jeremiah said, my sleep was sweet unto me. Can I tell you, that ought to be the testimony of the Christian. Uh, it's, just, it's just sweet just to get to serve God. It's just sweet just to get to trust his word and just to count upon his promise and just to rely upon God. Jeremiah said, my sleep well, sweet. God can satisfy. God can fill you. But the question is, will you let him? Uh, will you allow God to satisfy you like he can? Verse 27. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will sow, or literally, I will plant the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast. And it shall come to pass that like as I have watched over them to pluck up and to break down and to throw down and to destroy and to afflict, so will I watch over them to build and to plant, saith the Lord. Here's what I want to say about verse 27. God promised that he was sowing. He was planting some things in their lives. Now, I am not good at, at planting, I'm not good at making grass even grow. I'm not even good at that. I, I've tried that a few years and I had, I mean, I even YouTubed it. I mean, I real Googled it and everything and it still didn't grow. And then I've had a few years where it starts to grow and I'm thinking, this is the year. And then, you know, the first time it doesn't, you know, rain for two days, it's dead, you know. Uh, but some of you, you're good with planting and, and gardens and crops and trees and flowers and all those things. I'm not good at that. But can I tell you who's really good at that? God is. And God's not just good at planting flowers and planting trees and planting crops, but God is good at planting things in your life and my life that we need. If you will let God do the planting, if you will let God do the building, as it says in verse number 28, he says, I'll watch over you and I will build and I will plant, saith the Lord. I'm glad that God is able to do what he said he would do. God promised that he will take care of you. Uh, Let God build, Uh, let God have the hammer, let God have the saw, let God have the screwdriver, Uh, let God have the shovel, let God have the hoe, let God have the tools, let God work in your life. I promise you, he'll do a better job than you or I will ever do with our lives. Let God build your life. Verse number 29, in those days, they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten a sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Now, this is an interesting verse, and it appears, and from the book of Ezekiel and also from the book of Jeremiah, it appears that this had become a, just a common saying among God's people. But here's the problem. If anything bad happened to them, they would say, yeah. You know how our dad, you know how our fathers were. You know how grandpa was. Because do you remember in the book of Exodus where the Bible says that there would be judgment upon the children and the children's children? And I think it's up down to three generations. That's what it says in Exodus 20. And so here's what God's people were doing. They were excusing their own sin and they were blaming everything on their parents. They were blaming everything on the generation before. Does that sound familiar today? Nobody's responsible for anything anymore. It's amazing. Well, if you only knew my upbringing, if you only knew my parents, Oh, here, here you go, I've heard this one. My parents were so strict. That's why, that's why I'm the way I am because my parents were so strict. And then I've heard the flip side. My parents didn't even care about me. My parents didn't even know I was in the house. They didn't know I existed. And what I want to say is, you can't have it both ways, okay? It's like one is one is saying, oh, my parents were this and my parents were that. And I'm sorry if you had a rough upbringing. I'm not trying to excuse it. I'm not trying to condone it. Although I am looking around and I'm enjoying this because we've got some in this room that your parents are in the room and your children are in the room. And so that's actually pretty awesome, you know what I mean? Because what I want to say is, well, you know, I mean, Gina, you know, knowing your dad, yeah, it probably is his fault, you know. And uh, David, you know, knowing, knowing your mom, you, you, know what, you know what I mean, and Chelsea, you, you, know, what I, you know what I'm saying, I'm teasing. But here's what, here's what happened, it was all an excuse. It's not our fault, we didn't do anything wrong, it's not really because of us, it's somebody else's fault. And Jeremiah sets them straight here. He says, verse number 30, he says, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. I mean, how silly is that to say, you know, um, our fathers ate the sour grapes and our teeth are kind of tingling. Uh, No, it's the one who ate the sour grapes. They're the ones that are gonna have that tingling sensation on their teeth, not you. And can I tell you, as Christians, let's just get back to the point where we realize we are responsible for our actions. I'm not saying that if somebody did something wrong to you, I'm not saying that they're not responsible for what they did. But you can't live your whole life blaming everybody else. Well, I never got a chance. And and I, when I was when I was seven year old, seven years old, my little league coach, he raised his voice at me. I'm so sorry. But can I tell you, you're 49 years old today? I mean, can we get over that? Can we move on and say, I am responsible for me? Individual responsibility. Verses 31 and 32, God said that he would make a covenant with Israel and Judah. They broke the first covenant, but God said, I will make a new covenant with them. Verse 33, this shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel, I will put my law in their inward parts and I will write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. You know, when I was growing up, I mentioned Little League a moment ago, but when I was growing up, I loved sports. How many of you are like me when you were growing up? Did you just love sports, just love playing them? And just, I mean, it was, you couldn't wait for the next time. You know what I'm saying? And I just loved it. Um, I, I went to school and honestly... I, I didn't mind school, but I really loved recess. <laughs> I really loved PE. I really loved, and this is gonna sound crazy, I loved sports practice. Even when we weren't playing a game, it just a practice. I, I just love, I love touching a basketball. I love kicking a soccer ball. I love throwing a baseball. I mean, I, you know, I just loved it. It was all, I loved it all. And you know what? It was always on my mind. It was always in my heart. I couldn't wait for the next game. Uh, If you asked me and it was Wednesday night and I'd say, when's your next game? I can tell you when the next game was. I can tell you what time it was. I can tell you who we're playing. You know why? Because I'd already been thinking about it. I couldn't wait for it. When I woke up in the morning, I wasn't probably thinking about the math test or the science assignment like I should have been, but I was thinking about the the, the sports going on. And you know, when there's something you love, it's on your mind, it's in your heart, you, you just can't get enough of it. And here's what's great is when you can get God's word in your heart and it's something that you love. When you get God's word and you say, I just, I can't wait to get in the Bible. I can't wait for God to speak to me. I can't wait to spend time in prayer. I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to get to Sunday school class. I can't wait to serve God. I just can't wait. And God says, I'm going to put my word in your heart. Verse number 33. And hallelujah for that. When God writes it in your heart and it becomes a part of you, and you will be my people, God says, and I will be your God. Verse number 34 For they all shall know me, from the least even to the greatest of them. The old covenant that God gave them was the law, but the new covenant that God would give them would be grace. Aren't you thankful for God's grace? Aren't you thankful that, uh, yes, the law, was there and we still have the law and the law is our schoolmaster but the law points us to Christ and Christ can do something about the sin. The law can only point it out but Jesus can forgive it and Jesus can cleanse it and Jesus can make you whole. Verse number 35. Thus saith the Lord which giveth the sun for a light by day and the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is His name. If those ordinances or if those promises depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Notice what God says here. He set the sun and he set the moon and he he set the stars and he, he set the oceans and he put everything in place with order. And he says, if those things ever stop, If the sun doesn't shine and the moon doesn't shine and stars don't shine and the ocean isn't isn't flowing, he said, then maybe I'll not be, you know, keeping my promise to Israel. He said, but until then, you can count on it. God will keep his promise. And God has kept his promise. There have been times in history where Israel has been scattered. There's been, there've been times when Israel has been conquered. But can I tell you, the nation of Israel lives on because God promised them that they would. Verse 37, thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. But you know, that's a pretty amazing promise because you can't measure the heavens. I, a couple of weeks ago, when we, or probably a month or two ago, now in Jeremiah, in Jeremiah's day, They had counted and they said, we believe there are about 3,000 stars. That's what they believed. And uh, can I tell you, there's a few more than 3,000. As a matter of fact, in our galaxy, in the Milky Way galaxy, there are 400 billion stars just in our galaxy. And there are billions of galaxies. We don't know how many galaxies and we don't know how many stars. Uh, The the best guess that, 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 that scientists give is they say that it is 10 to the 25th power. 10 with 25 zeros after. That's the estimate on how many stars there are in our universe. I got news for you. You can't count all those and neither can I. And God said the heavens wouldn't be numbered. Can I tell you this? If you were to just count the stars, In the Milky Way galaxy, our galaxy, 400 billion, if you counted one star every second, it would take you 3,168 years just to count the stars. And God doesn't just have them numbered. He calls them all by name, Isaiah says. That's an amazing God. How about this? God said, if you can measure the foundation of the earth, the earth... As you know, if you've studied history, of course, I couldn't remember the the figures. I had to look them up. The earth is 4,000 miles to the center of the earth from where we're standing right now. 4,000 miles to the center. You know how far we've drilled? You know the deepest we've drilled? About seven and a half miles. And it's 4,000 miles to the center. Let me see here. If the foundations of the earth are searched out beneath, I will cast off all the seed of Israel. I think Israel's doing okay. I think Israel's going to be just fine. We've not even even scratched the surface of the earth. We've not even begun to count the stars in in the sky. God said that he would keep his promise. Verses 38 to 40, God promised that Jerusalem would be rebuilt one day and that that city would never be destroyed. Now, Jerusalem has been destroyed throughout history. But there's coming a day where that city will be established. And there's coming a day where Jesus Christ will rule and he will reign from Jerusalem. And I got news for you. As long as Jesus is on the throne, the city of Jerusalem is going to be a-okay. okay I I can't tell you what's going to happen in Washington, D.C. I can't tell you what's going to happen uh, in Moscow. I can't tell you what's going to happen in the the nations of the world and their capitals and and the kings and all that. But I'll tell you this. God is in control, and he will rule and he will reign. And God said, verse number uh, 38, that the days come, saith the Lord, that the city shall be built to the Lord from the tower of Hananiel unto the gate of the corner, The measuring line shall go forth over against it upon the hill, and shall compass about to go at. Verse number 40, uh, all through the valley and the ashes and the fields and the brook under the corner of the horse gate toward the east shall be holy unto the Lord. It shall not be plucked up nor thrown down anymore forever. We talked about it on Sunday. The city of Jerusalem uh, will not be destroyed once Jesus rebuilds it. But you know something else that won't be destroyed? The church. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org.